0: little kid, there was a song that kind of put it all together for me. I trusted in this song. I believed in this song. Whenever I heard this song, I said, that's life. That's my life. That's the way I want it to be. On the good ship Lollipop, (laughs) it's a sweet trip to a candy shop where bonbons play on the sunny beach of Peppermint Bay lemonade stands everywhere. Cracker Jack bands fill the air, and there you are, happy landing on a chocolate bar. See the sugar bowl? Do the Tootsie Roll with the Big Bad Devil's Food Cake. If you eat too much, ooh, ooh, you'll awake with a tummy ache. On the good ship, Lollipop, it's a night trip into bed you hop and dream away. On the good ship, Lollipop. And when Shirley Temple would sing that song, I would fall in love with her and I would fall in love with life. And I just felt like that's gotta be life. And then I turned seven. <laughs> and then I learned life wasn't that way. And I was, you know, now going beyond first grade stuff and getting into the the meteor studies of second third fourth grade and you know and then you get to be 12 and 13 and then you really know that that life's not turning out according to your dreams and and your hopes and and suddenly you realize that that life takes its own twists and turns there's no happy landing on a chocolate bar there's there's maybe no happy landings and, and you begin to wonder what is this about what is life about and you think there there are moments when everything should be good there are moments when you think everything should be celebratory and happy. I was having one of those moments last night. I went to a big 4th of July party, block party, bash thing down in Croatan. About 8 million people were there. or people here, people there, people everywhere. And, and you brought your own hamburgers to grill, and I thought, this sounds like fun, going to grill some hamburgers outside. And I get over there, I'm grilling a hamburger. And there's a guy from our men's ministry who, who was there assisting me, and, and I was getting ready to flip him. He said, "I'll flip it for you." And I happened to reach over the grill, and he flipped the hamburger, and flames leaped into the air about three feet, three or four feet high, and I couldn't see my arm anymore. My arm was engulfed in the flames, and I thought, "I don't, I don't like this. This is another good reason. There's another good reason not to go to hell right here." You know? <laughs> I couldn't see my arm for a few seconds. I thought this isn't a good thing. I didn't feel any pain. All of a sudden, the flames subsided, and I had like crispy critters all up and down my arm. My hair was like burned off. You know, my arm was as smooth as a baby's fingers. It was just, it was just, it was just smooth. And then something happened. This woman came running over with a towel, and she wiped my arm off. And then she disappeared. And I thought. God just sends women with towels when you need them. You know, there are women with towels everywhere just waiting for some man to mess up so they could rush in, just wipe everything down, and then they just disappear. You know, I thought it was going to be one of those just wonderful moments, but there I was caught in the flames. And, and I'm so far from the good ship lollipop. How do, you, how do you negotiate your life these days? How do you figure out where you are and who you are and where you're going with your life. And so welcome to Soul Revolution. Welcome to Summer Fastballs, where we're going to be working through this book, Soul Revolution, and trying to figure out the very details of our lives according to God's word, according to God's heart, according to God's mind. I'd like to talk to you today about your journey of faith. And the three challenges of your journey of faith. James chapter 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. It's one of the strangest verses in, in all of Scripture. Consider it joy. Be excited and happy when you face trials, when things are happening. In a crazy way in your life, be happy. Doesn't even seem to make sense at first. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Well, what's that mean? Perseverance must finish its work. Well, what's the work of perseverance? So that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Perseverance has a job to you. And its job is to make you who God wants you to be. Count it pure joy because perseverance has got to do its work. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double minded man, unstable in all he does. You want wisdom? Ask God. God wants to give you wisdom, but you've got to believe that he's going to give you wisdom. You see, the first challenge of the journey of faith is to keep going when everything around you isn't fair, isn't fun, and isn't working. This is the challenge of maturity or seeing life through God's eyes. When everything around you isn't fair, isn't fun, and isn't working, that's where the action is. Okay, so on Friday, I get this big envelope in the mail. And it's an intriguing envelope because it says in somebody's handwriting on the outside, personal and confidential. And it's a big brown envelope. So I tear into it, and out comes this. It's a citation. <laughs> you see, I was driving a friend's car, and so my friend received this and said, well, this doesn't belong to me. This looks like this happened when Michael Simone was driving my car. And it was. That was That's me right there, and I'm driving that car. And I'm up at the, the corner of Great Neck Road and Virginia Beach Boulevard, and this citation says that I made an illegal right turn, or actually the citation says I ran a red light, that's what it says. But I didn't run a red light. I stopped. If you examine the evidence, I encourage you to examine the evidence carefully. I stopped, and then I made a right turn on red, which that lane, you see the arrow? It says you can make a right turn on red. So here I am falsely accused and they want fifty dollars of my money to like take care of this deal. And and I think I don't have time for this. I don't have time to argue this. I know I'm right. I don't want to deal with this anymore. So here take the fifty dollars. I gotta go on down the road. So I just have to deal I have to go on with it. But then after I I gave the fifty dollars to be sent, I just couldn't shake it. I couldn't shake that I was falsely accused. So I wrote a letter to the mayor. <laughs> Dear Will Sessions. of all the, the low-down, cheesy ways to shake people down for money for the coffers of Virginia Beach, you know, taking pictures of pastors while they're going on some kind of missionary, visionary <laughs> Visiting people in the hospital trip down Virginia Beach Boulevard is is one of the biggest political boondoggles of your career, sir. I urge you, if you would like forgiveness of your sins, to send $50 to the Togo Mission Fund at Spring Branch Community Church. If you will do so, you will most certainly have my vote in the next election, <laughs> and we can still be friends. Your servant, Michael Simone. Uh, you know, I, it wasn't fair. It wasn't right. But I had to just go on with my life. The first challenge of the journey of faith is to keep going when everything around you isn't fair, isn't fun, and isn't working. This is the challenge of maturity. We're seeing life through God's eyes. There are times when it's just not worth it to prove you're right, even though you are right. Knowing when to just move on comes from a land called maturity, and God wants your mind to live there. God wants your mind to live in the land of maturity. There are times the journey of faith will have you move on from relationships that aren't working, and it's just time to move on. There are times when the journey of faith will have you move on from employment that isn't working. And you could argue backwards and forwards how great an employee you are and that you fulfilled all the requirements that were put before you. But sometimes you just got to move on. There are times when the journey of faith will have you move on from a simplistic faith that isn't working anymore because simplistic faiths have a way of breaking down. Not everything everybody tells you about faith is right. you got to get to the deeper requirements of faith. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you will be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The first time you come up against something you can't control by your own power and resources is the first time you will move toward maturity. What you do in those moments is a test of your Christian character. The journey is always about Christian character. Christian character is always about faith. If you rant and rave against the unfairness of life, you're missing the point of the life God is trying to give you. So what's unfair in your life right now? What's unfair in your life today? How is God deepening you through whatever that is? That's the important part of your journey of faith. Let's look at verse 12. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. Because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. You want to be blessed? Don't rant and rave against the unfairness of life and miss the point. How's God trying to deepen your life today through what's unfair? The first challenge of the journey of faith is to keep going when everything around you isn't fair, isn't fun, and isn't working. The second challenge of the journey of faith is to uncover and jettison any distorted images of God that are in your life as you examine your strategy to find life to see if it really will go the distance. And so the book, Soul Revolution, gives you two blanks to fill in John Burke gives you two blanks to fill in to help you know and understand if you're having accurate views of God and accurate understandings of a strategy for life that will work or if you don't it's on page 22 he says fill in these blanks if only if only this or if I just, if I just fill that in, then I will have the life I've always wanted. If only this could be, if only that didn't happen, or if I just could get here, if I just could have that, if I just could could go this direction, then I will have the life I've always wanted. And he says, here are the main problemos with living a spiritual life. Problemo numero uno, distorted images of God. You really have a God that that doesn't match up to Scripture as much as as you want him to match up to things in your mind that that make him kind of the way you want him to be, distorted images, images of God. Problema numero dos, shallow strategies for life fulfillment, only employing shallow strategies for life fulfillment instead of what God really wants. Uh, This week, we've been on a big cleanup week here at Spring Branch. We've been throwing things out. If you drive around the back of the church, there's a little dumpster there, and it's just about full now. That dumpster is only a fourth of the size of the mega dumpster that was here earlier in the week that was filled to overflowing. So we were just chucking stuff and chucking stuff, and nothing scares me more than throwing my stuff away. I don't like to throw my stuff away. And toward the end of the week, they had all these boxes, and and they said, uh, you've got to go through these boxes because we're going to throw them out. And so if you don't go through them, and so I, I came down here to the auditorium. They were all sitting in the back there, and I started to go through them. And I found a lot of really great stuff that I wanted to keep. And one of the files that I found was a file that I had from a long time ago that had an old Nike ad. It was about, maybe you remember, it ran in Sports Illustrated for a couple of months. It was about a 9 or 10 page, maybe even 12 page ad that was just like a story about your life. And just kept going. It was kind of like the journey of your life as a a Nike person and just kept on going until all the way through it must have cost millions and millions of dollars to have this ad and I thought man Nike had some really cool ads so I went on the internet I just put in Nike print ads and I got this whole website that took me back 20, 25 years to some of the earlier ads that Nike has but a lot of these ads while they're getting at life they don't get at the real bottom line of life but let me read one to you I don't want 15 minutes of fame. I want a life. I don't want to be a flash in the pan. I want a career. I don't want to grab all I can. I want to selectively choose the best. I don't want to date a model. Okay, so I do want to date a model. (laughs) But the rest of my goals are long-term. The result of day-to-day determination. Along the way, there will surely be moments of brilliance, I am, after all, me. But the moments will add up to something greater. A record of excellence. A plaque in a hall. My name on a sandwich. A family that's a team. I'll never look back with regret. I hope to be remembered, not recalled. And I hope to make a difference. The problem with these ads is they're they're good, and they kind of get us feeling some of the juices of life that that make our our lives go, but at the end it really is more about you, or it's really more about the person. And it's kind of about where you're going and where you want to go and what you want. And life is so much bigger than that. And so how can you get beyond a distorted image of God, a distorted image of yourself? How can you get beyond shallow strategies for life fulfillment? let me read you a passage of scripture and then ask you a couple of questions. 1 John chapter 4. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. But if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. In those two verses right there, you see the doctrine of the Trinity. The word Trinity is never used in the Bible, but the early church leaders looked and looked and looked, and they said, There's one God, but there's three persons in that one God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And there's a place in the New Testament where you see that in two verses. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command whoever loves God must also love his brother. Two questions, and then the third. Who is God? Lay aside your preconceived ideas about God. Lay aside a God who is watching you to judge you, who's watching you to to punish you. Lay that aside. Who is God? God is love. His love for you is so far-reaching and overwhelming that he would send his son into the world to save you. This is the God that we we love because he first loved us. It's a reciprocal relationship of love that was first generated by the creator of the universe who made you in his image and wants more than anything else for you to know him through his son, Jesus Christ. Who is God? That's who God is. And then the second question, what's the best strategy for living life? It's love. It's it's love. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. So as we go out into the world, we go trying to, to bring love and to, to nurture love and to allow love to have its way. And and oftentimes, that's difficult in a broken world. But it doesn't absolve us of the responsibility to have that as our number one best strategy for living our lives. We love because he first loved us. And so my third question is, why is what's so simple so hard to live out? Why is what's so simple so hard to live out? It's because we get so caught up with that Nike ad campaign stuff. We get so wrapped up in what what we're trying to get out of life and what we want to get out of life and our demands for life and our demands, we even present them to God. And anytime we demand something from God or we demand something from someone else, we live so much less of a life than what love calls us to. The second challenge of the journey of faith is to uncover and jettison any distorted images of God as you examine your strategy to find life, to see if it really will go the distance. The third challenge of the journey of faith is to let faith interrogate every day of your life. That's a strong word, but I really believe it. To let faith interrogate every day of your life. Is this decision based on faith? Is this decision based on everything you know about what God is calling you to? Is what you're about to say, is what you're about to write, is what you're about to live out totally and irrevocably based upon faith? What is that kind of faith? What's that kind of faith look like that must interrogate every day of our lives? I invite you to listen to this great story of faith. Hebrews 11. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. They were commended for holding on to things that they couldn't see and and hoping for, for stuff and being sure of it because of who God is. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks even though he is dead. Even though he is dead, Even after we die, everything that we did in faith lives on and speaks to the next generation. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. And that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age, he was an old, old man. And Sarah herself was barren, was unable to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise And so from this one man, and then there's a little parenthesis here, almost, you know, there's two commas, but the words in here, the six words, and he as good as dead, speak about faith and what God will do when you fully and totally trust him and believe him in all things. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith. For he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Invisible. The third challenge of the journey of faith is to let faith interrogate every day of your life. This is the challenge of seeing what's invisible. What do you need to trust about your future that you can't see right now? We need to trust that you can't see right now. And you hear this passage from a couple thousand years ago, and it talks about people from thousands and thousands of years ago, and you go, does that still work today? Is that just in the Bible, but it doesn't work today? It works today more than you could hope or think. About a week or so ago, a friend of mine who's a pastor in Pakistan got up facing a big reality for him and for his church, the church that's called Spring branch, community church, Islamabad, Pakistan. You might remember that we gave them a tent so that they would at least have a place to meet under as they were meeting corner to corner, neighborhood to neighborhood, outside, no place to call a permanent home. Well, they couldn't meet on on a particular Sunday because of the, the political unrest in Pakistan. And then the government decided that they had to stop meeting outside in a tent. They had to move inside. Only one problem. They don't have the money to move inside. They didn't have the money to rent a building and so with a a move of faith he emails me and says can you help us and so I think about it and I honestly don't know how we're going to help him because we just didn't have the $1,200 I said how much do you need he said $1,200 I said I'm thinking about it I don't know so I hadn't responded to him and I went to the summer business meeting last Sunday night and I said One of the great things that we get to do is help people. I said, for instance, we got a call from our brothers and sisters in in Pakistan, and they they need $1,200 so they can get inside and be safe. And I don't know how we're going to get the $1,200. I don't know where it's going to come from. But I know we have to do it. Monday morning, a woman calls the church. She was not at the meeting Sunday night. Was not at the meeting. And she asks my assistant, This question. My husband and I have come into some money. We want to give some to the church. Is there somewhere you need some money? And Debbie Hudson said, well, there's this and there's this and there's this. There's this church in Pakistan right now. And to get inside, they need $1,200. And the woman said, I'll bring a check for that tomorrow. So that money... Is about to be wired as an answer to a hope and a prayer and a, a faith in knowing that the God who worked that way thousands of years ago is the same God who works that way today your journey of faith has three challenges the first challenge is to keep going when everything around you isn't fair isn't fun and isn't working this is the challenge of maturity We're seeing life through God's eyes. Lock in on that. The second challenge of the journey of faith is to uncover and jettison any distorted images of God as you examine your strategy to find life, to see if it really will go the distance. This is the challenge of spiritual integrity. Lock in on that challenge. And the third challenge is to let faith interrogate every day of your life. This is the challenge of seeing what you can't see, seeing what's invisible. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. He is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. And more than anything else, I wish for all of us that we just become men and women who earnestly seek him. It is our journey of faith. So two really good questions to end with. What do you long for? What is it that you're longing for today in your life? And what does your heart really desire? What's the real desire of your heart? If you're ready for a soul revolution, this is what I must ask you to do. Don't just read the book. You could read the book, It's not going to work. It's too easy. Read the book with someone. Read the book with someone and do the questions at the end of each chapter. And then this week, do your homework, which I'm going to give you as page 15, work on number one and two, and page 33, work on number one. As you start to dig into this, you're going to understand your journey of faith. You're going to understand how you can get beyond some of the stuff that's trying to hold you back from being everything that God wants you to be. You're going to have a soul revolution when you believe these words. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Dear Heavenly Father, we are humbled that you would love us so much to work in our lives like this to transform us. Father, help us to, to really live these challenges Of the journey of our faith. Help us to do that as men and women individually. Help us to do that as the church. Help us to earnestly seek you each and every day. Give us the strength and the resolve to let faith interrogate each one of our days. Father, remind us that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Father, thanks for meeting us in these moments encouraging our hearts. Speak into our hearts about the true freedom that only comes through knowing you through your son, Jesus Christ. May we be empowered by your Holy Spirit to serve you well. For we ask all these things in Jesus' name.